Well, picky my cucky my. Yes, and the critical crew here at Best of the Fest are raving this second episode of RNZ National's new festival conversation series, Best of the Fest. Our first guest, Suzanne, Emily and Ada here are all pumped. Have they bought their glow sticks, everyone? Everyone got glow sticks? No? Yeah, yeah, I've got it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got my phone. Yeah. <laughs> here we are in the RNZ National Studio. We're even going to be talking about a band called The National. Uh, and you're listening to Dick Magic Johnson's Into the Groove. You'll find out why shortly. Uh, welcoming you, listener, raving wherever you are. You're going to find Best of the Fest on our Culture 101 webpage, or you can search Culture 101 wherever you get your podcasts. And right now, it's week two in Te Whanganui Atara for the Aotearoa New Zealand Festival of the Arts. And later, we're also off to Kirikiriroa, the Hamilton Arts Festival, ahead of the Auckland Arts Festival hoping next week. Um, and today's panellist, poet Arahia Lathan, you've called this... A powerhouse, a wahine tour power play, I reckon. We've got some amazing talent here in the room. I, we really Kia have. Ora. I was very excited. Kia ora, Mark. I feel like I'm in fabulous company this week. Kia ora. Uh, later we're crossing to Paulina Lau as well, and critic Kate Prestige in Hamilton, but here in Pornaki, beside other here, uh, artist, first of all, Suzanne Tamaki, a.k.a. Native Sister. Kia ora. Kia ora. And novelist and screenplay writer Emily Perkins. Kia ora, Emily. Kia ora. Uh, here to talk about music, not books, for once. Mm, yeah, my new job as a music critic. <laughs> yeah, look out, Rolling Stone. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, first, Suzanne, it's now after 10 o'clock in the morning, but you've been, you're sufficiently caffeinated, I hope. You've been dancing since 6.30 a.m. Yeah, it was awesome in this rave. It was just like happy, smiling, sweaty people, and they had loads of free coffee and bananas, actually, which was cool. Oh, yes. And um, water, and it was really weird, like when it finished and walk out, and it was like bright sunshine, and I was sober, and I had to go to work. <laughs> but it was like, oh, woohoo, upside so, down day. This is the Morning People Warehouse Rave, Dick Magic Johnson in the new Tafiti um, uh, yes. Warehouse um, in Newtown there. Yeah, is it strange doing it at 7, 6.30 in the morning rather than 3 a.m.? No, I actually loved it. And I think everyone, it's just like, wow, I'm awake, I'm invigorated. And um, it was just so nice to see everyone having a good time. Like, what a great way to start the day. A lot of people go to the gym in the morning, don't they? Who are, yeah, you know, that, they're idiots. But what, 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 go to a rave. We should be doing this every day, shouldn't we? It sounds Panelists? way more fun. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm in. Although it was kind of loud. <laughs> That's good. I think loud is what we want, right? We want to go to those places with better sound systems than we've got at home. It was an amazing yeah. exactly. Did you but that is fair. Like, oh. was it a family affair? There was like, yeah, there was a young child, and there was two girls from Wellington East girls in their nice. uniforms. Yeah, oh, so I was like, cool. yeah, that's smart. Do this and then go to school. Absolutely, that's I could brilliant. see that if I could get the whole whānau there. Maybe, yeah, maybe it could it be would possible. Be fun. But a bit pricey, maybe the festival. The tickets aren't, aren't you know, for the young people. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah, there's... maybe. Like even for adults too, actually. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, but I was lucky. I got a comp. Woo-hoo. Right. Well, speaking of which, you were also at Tusiata Avia's Savage Colonizer show, the opening night at Circa Theatre last night. It's on till Sunday, the third of the March. Suzanne, um, originally commissioned by the Auckland Arts Festival. Beautiful to have it here. What did, what did you think? Uh, it was stunning, absolutely stunning and mind-blowing and inspiring. And I'm not sure who did the set, but it was absolutely gorgeous. The choreography, all the performers, just mind-blowing. I've never seen any of them before, and it was really gorgeous. And I think it was maybe a little bit confrontational for some people. I had to laugh when they threw some shade on Unity Books about Tosiata. Um they had to send her an apology. What? What can you can you elaborate on that? Um, well, 
dear Tosiata, on behalf of everyone at Unity Books, accept my full apologies. So I think that they had um, thought she was a shoplifter. <laughs> oh! Yeah, so it was sort of like, whoa. Um, but it was amazing just how they deli- delivered it and then they followed it with how to be in a room full of white people. So it was pretty epic. Is Tusiata in the show? No, she's not, mm. which is really surprising because I was really looking forward to seeing her. Because she's a great performer herself, yeah, right? Yeah, but this crew just hold it. They really do. It's totally, I would highly recommend everyone go and see it if you can. That's fantastic. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had the great privilege of sitting beside her as she unpacked uh, her poem to James Cook and yeah it is just full of incredible fire and you know because she's just Mm. got this amazing way of just packing a punch with her words but just being this incredible kind of wahine of grace herself so she just kind of she's she's able to deliver in that way where she's like yeah beautiful gentle and then Boom, and then in goes the knife. Oh, and so <laughs> open. Yeah, I shared a stage with her and Anahira Gilday at the Writers' Weekend. and Oh, just this weekend. Yeah, just on, this yeah. weekend. And, um, and she brought the house down with the wow. poem that she recited at the end. It was a diss track response to some of the nonsense that's been, you know, coming her way. And I feel like the way that she metabolises, yeah, personal experience and politics and makes art out of it and, mm-hmm. and shares it is... It's a rare ability. Phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Kia ora. also I just saw you where there's a new exhibition from Lisa Rehana, who's a former festival artist at Page Galleries at the moment. That looks really cool. It's called Outtakes. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's um, sort of like stills from some of her films. And so there's like a gorgeous photograph of Rosanna Raymond, who was here recently with the uh, Savage Club. And I'll just put in a little thing there that we've moved it to Te Awaha. So there's the Pornaki Savage Club room and any group are welcome to go down there in Wananga and Hui. And if you'd like me to come along as the Pornaki chief instigator, I'd love to. Who are the Savage Club? Well, the Pornaki crew is quite a big one, mostly made up of performers, um, musicians, and we are looking for some new recruits, so might get some now. And then you have the president in Auckland, for the Auckland chapter, which is uh, Rosanna and all her crew up there. Didn't you interview her the other day? I did, yeah. You can check that out on the Culture 101 webpage. Click. <laughs> but, you know, so Lisa, Rosanna and yourself are all part of the Pacific Sisters. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's a bit of a shame because the opening was last night and Rosanna had left in the morning. So ah. it's a shame that she couldn't be there to see her gorgeousness as well. And just and really incredible to see all the different... Um, paths that we've taken in our arts but we're still really really close friends and still get together and do things together awesome uh we just mentioned um writers weekend before um out here and emily you were both on stage there as well as participating i'm kind of interested in the kind of ecosystem with writers now because you've got the word festival coming up later in in Otatahi christchurch which is amazing Auckland writers festival seems to go from strength to strength what what is particular about this you know Grandmama of festivals. Yeah, well, she really is the grandma of the festivals here, the writers' festivals, and the originator. Yes, and you know the so the Wellington Writers Week or Weekend as it now is has got a beautiful long history, and it's changed everything's so different now since the pandemic and the way people have felt about going out, and so this was the first festival they've had. Since 2020, I think that's right, isn't it? Yes, I remember being an interview actually at Te Papa with uh, Black Grace Taira Royal and as we walked out, they were like, everything is shutting down. Mm. Wow. And so it was 2020 Mm. and I think that was 
crazy to think that that was all happening kind of we were all in festival as it as it happened mm. literally at that for me the arts festival does kind of equal that time of suddenly going okay things are yeah. things are really hotting up and we don't know what's going to happen and as we know now so much happened but so this much is happened, the first one back which was the, one of the great things about having it back and it was at the embassy theater in the mm. big space and the two smaller spaces and um you know there was a lovely vibe really nice buzz good audiences Great mix. I mean, shout out to Anita Few and Claire Maybe for their programming. Mm. It was really excellent mix of international writers, local writers, um, discussions around themes or discussions around people's books. And yeah, I feel like it's definitely, you know, the grandmama's been on a diet, like it used to be a week, <laughs> and now it's a weekend. Um, but no, she that, needs to rest a little she, more. But more she's strong. Day. She well, is strong as well. Like I thought mm. the quality was amazing and the chairing was really good and for me chairing makes a big you know it's very key to how well an event goes you want to have a good conversation and they'd selected excellent chairs for the various sessions and yeah I, I thought it was a good very very strong and are people coming or was it yeah yeah, yeah that yeah, was what I attended really I think busy. if anything it would be wonderful if it does exp- you know sort of build on this very strong state that it's in um, I'd love to see a mid-sized venue because I felt with some ah, of the smaller yes. events they probably could have filled a, a slightly more middle-sized venue and then you think, well, in that location there's like Bats isn't far away, Bats mm. Theatre or the Hunter yes. Playhouse isn't yeah. far away. Yes. Um, yeah, that would be something I'd love to see happen because that big venue's awesome if you've got like 300-plus people in there, which they seem to do. I mean, the stuff I saw and took part in well, yeah, it was really well attended. Yes, and I agree. I think that's often the issue with writers' festivals is that there is often one big um, auditorium and then mm. there's lots of really small spaces, and I know that that's often an issue. Um, and I think, you know, the, the good thing to mention is obviously this is like the uh, the mother that maybe birthed Verb, and Verb became, mm. I guess, that, um, yeah, more on the street, less um, elite kind mm. of a mm. writers' festival. So we have festival. another so Wellington. The, exactly, the, right. cool the, yeah. the balance of <laughs> yeah. both of them is quite yeah. lovely because, yeah, this is very much steeped within the festival and I suppose the ticketing prices and all those kind of things do reflect that. Mm. Um, and then I think it's really nice to... So it's a bit like having, I, I suppose, like we have the Fringe Festival alongside as well. I feel like, mm. you know, mm. Verb um, allows that kind of more, uh, I guess, emerging, interesting sort of, yeah, trying out some things, sort of ability, as well as having some, you know, really, um, um, you know, incredibly talented and established writers as well. Mm. But I feel like, yeah, this is, I guess, this is our stage for our international writers to come in. It's a, it's a time to, yeah, perhaps have some of those more robust, um, lengthier kind of discussions about mm-hmm. things and people's mm-hmm. books. Um, so yeah, it, it was mm. a beautiful time. It was, and you can see. Sorry, not to go on about it, but you can oh. see that the work that has been happening with Verb and a lot of the other sort of um, local and self-generated things that are, are happening here feeds in, mm. uh, doesn't it? It all becomes oh, part of the same ecosystem. So there was some, yeah, some really beautiful local events. Yeah, too. and I guess this is the same across, I mean, Suzanne, you, you've you've been around festivals like I have, we all have probably for a long time, that, you know, the ecosystem has changed. There are so many festivals in Pornaki, there are so many festivals around the country, and I kind of feel like this festival is um, has slimmed things down. You know, there aren't the wide range of smaller events across the daytime, the talks, the classical music sessions, the not quite as much public stuff, I think. The festival club is kind of missing for me from this. The, the, that vibe is gone. But at the same time, we've gone through COVID, and it's, yeah. they're in recovery. I think, too, you've got 
international festival, plus you've got the Fringe Festival happening, which mm. is epic. It's I huge. Mean, 150 kind of a events. little bit of event fatigue. It was like <laughs> going through the programs, what do you go and see? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's very true. There is there is a lot we are spoiled for choice, and, yeah. I, and I'm never going to complain about there being <laughs> too many things to yeah. go through. Mustn't grumble on that. We uh, we do have a we do have a, a richness. Now um, we're going to play some music. Now I I went to see the Soweto Gospel Choir this uh, week at the uh, Michael Fowler Centre. Sold out. Big mm. big concert again. I think a little bit like the Warehouse Rave. Mostly older people, but some school students up and on the sides there having a ball. I'd love to have seen them play some more school and community events while they were here. But we got an amazing concert. The Michael Fowler Centre, fifteen amazing singers, um, uh, ranging from sort of South African freedom songs in twelve different languages through to everything right. from Stevie Wonder to Aretha Franklin. Here. Uh, for us to listen to is uh, the Soweto Gospel Choir with their song Vuma. Vuma, 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 Well, you're on Best of the Fest here. A look at the festivals around the mortal here on um, RNZ National. Uh, and we're at the Aotearoa Festival at the moment. Later, we're crossing to Polina and Hamilton. Uh, but first, uh, we talked about the Savage Colonizer show opening last night in Pornaki. And another really what deserves to be a classic work, I think, in our theatre canon, uh, Witty's Wahini by Nancy Brinning, opened at the St. James Theatre. I was there with other here, Latham. Other here. Kia ora. Kia ora. Uh, what did you think? Oh, look, so many things. It was, you know, this incredible experience of being steeped in mana wahine. Um, you know, we got we got drawn into the Waituhi Valley, which Witiya Maida always speaks about as being steeped with with magic. And, you know, that he grew up in this place where there were these matriarchal, incredible wahine in his life, which he mm. has woven through so many of his stories. And in fact, you know, when we look back to Ponamu Ponamu, his first short story collection, 
the seed stories exist within that book that go and form many of the others, like Bully Basher, like the Matriarch and the Dream Swimmer. They all start in that short story. And, and it's the Kuia, it's the Nans who are the you know the biggest characters almost sometimes, other than Witty in the in Pornamu Pornamu. Well, absolutely, because um, you know Nanny Midor and that character that came through in the play last night, um, and um, the the card scene, the classic card scene, which starts out in um, in Ponamu Ponamu um, within a short story that went on to become a really classic scene in Whale Rider. And I think, you know, mm. as Witty speaks about, you know, his his nan was someone that actually really guided him through his life. So he had he had two nans. One was actually, I think, his great aunt, but those two nans, um, his grandmother Tiria and his um, grand aunt Mini Tupara, they were the ones that were often seen to be his um, supporters and often on Itatahawairua after they passed as well he, he speaks about how they would come to him and protect him and so I think they really came through really strongly through this and I think what I've thought about is that you know Nancy Brunning is this incredible force of you know her experience both as an actor and then as a writer and director yeah. comes through in this piece you know even though she's no longer with us. And I think, you know, yeah. that's something incredibly special because I could I could feel her edge and I could feel also her desire to tell the story of the wahine when they... I can imagine her own frustration perhaps, you know, when she was playing um, Ramona Mahana, for example, in Mahana, and I could see that, you know, her, her character perhaps wasn't as developed as we would have liked. And I can see that in this... Uh, beautiful uh, play of Witi's Wahine, we get a chance to really give all of the Wahine and the stories uh, their backstory, their light. I think what was interesting for me is that I'm so, I mean, you know, Witi's stories formed my, my, my reading self, you know, like I read Bully Basher when I was 14, I then went on to read The Matriarch and the Dream Swimmer when I was sort of 17 and 18, and they, I lived in those books, you know, and I feel like my issue was that I kept on trying to grab onto the characters and 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 try and swim with them, and I wanted to mm. go further with them. I wanted to have more of them, and my partner, who probably loves Witty but hasn't maybe um, you know drenched himself in the stories quite like I have, you know, he just loved it. He was laughing, he was crying. It was just this beautiful, immersive experience for him. And I think what I realised that my downfall was is that I was trying to grab onto each story and I really wanted to expand it. And what I needed to do was step back a bit because the waiata were incredible. The the visual effects of it feeling almost like we were on a um, kapahaka um, bracket, you know, watching the, the set designers, it kind of almost... It took us back into a whare and I think that's the key thing is that, you know, we we start out in um, Rongopai Marae, you know, and we talk about the body of the tipuna, we talk about how, you know, we have the tahuhu, the backbone and the heke, the ribs arching over us and then within that we have witty stories on the walls, just like the tukutuku panels tell stories. Mm. And so witty stories uh, yes. were, were, were on each wall and we'd kind of go and stand in front of each wall and have a look and, a and figure out idea. the stories. Mm. Mm. And then we hear that Nancy was the architect of the fare. And so, like, I kind of love Nancy's that. fare, yeah, it, as one reviewer said. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's right. Well, that's actually um, Ngāpaki Muetara, the director, beautiful ah. Ngāpaki. I could feel as well her incredible depth and essence was very present. Her and Taina working together, I think they're just such a powerhouse couple. I mean, yeah, a couple goals, really. They just, you know, they just have this amazing um, ability to bring, 
yeah, mana into what they create. And I think that was very evident too, but I also could really feel that they were trying to uphold absolutely the mana of Nancy and her vision without, you know, changing it too much. And mm. so I could feel that too. But, you know, their beautiful daughter, um, Mara Maria, was in the oh, past. Oh, the young one. Mm. So, so beautiful, in it? I think she, she did steal the show a little bit. <laughs> she didn't say a single word, which was amazing, but she she did sing and she just, ah, oh, she just shone. And I think, again, that's the beauty, which is often, you know, brought into witty stories, is like in Whale Rider, you know, that beautiful story of that young wahine being the one to watch. And I think he did that, well, I think that, the, the production did that very well as well. It said, you know, what are we missing? What are we what are we um, understanding from these stories of wahine that maybe aren't always articulated in many of our other films or adaptions of stories? Yeah, it's such a bold, bold thing to do. Um, I agree. I found it a little bit difficult knowing what he's writing, following these kind of mo- this movement, this collaging of stories, but I could feel this audience around me in a very different place um and you know it's no wonder it's had such a such such great applause in its productions mm, yeah i think i think that's it it felt um yeah like the the uh energy in the in the audience and the whoops and the whistles coming as different waiata were sung and the beautiful adaptions of waiata too like it took me wow. a minute to realize that tihore maiterangi was being sung but it was in a completely different rangi and it was like just incredible. So yeah, there was all this sort of magic being woven in as well. Where and you know, if if you've seen Witty um, speak or perform, mm. he never just. I mean, you know, I've I've asked, asked him questions about his books. We've gone deep into the stories, but then he will always get up and sing a wayata for everyone and just bring the house down. And so you know, that is the thing that I think really upholds Witty's vision as well because he loves opera. You know, like he's based yes. stories actually yes. on opera, um, and. And, and has that connection to Italy and to, uh, mm. and you know, there was that connection too to the wartime, to Tunisia and, and all of those little little elements mm. of the story that really, for me, bring out his role because he was, um, you know, working as a foreign correspondent, you know, travelling around the world. Um, it was, mm. he's a very worldly and wonderful person and I think he really brings that into his stories and I think that was felt as well. In the oh, well, kia ora, ora here. And you can actually hear what he Mata reading his Puanamu Puanamu stories on Culture 101 at the moment on Sunday afternoons after three. If you're Magic oh. Yeah, which is great. Emily Perkins will have to have you on reading some stories sometime soon. Oh, happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me a call. Um, now, you went at a rave this morning, but um, you were at an ear-splittingly loud concert with me on Sunday evening, which was the second New Zealand show for the... The sad dad rock band, the National. <laughs> uh, so, and they own this title, Sad Dad. There was Sad Dad. Sad Dad t-shirts. merch was this being merch sold. Was I was there. very tempted. I but was I, tempted. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't go for the merch, but I did <laughs> love the gig. It was yeah. the second time I've seen them. The last time was at the Power Station in Auckland in like 2011. And then, um, you know, that was at the time of their albums like Boxer and High Violet, which really uh, captured a lot of people and sort of broadened their audience. And from then they've gone from strength to strength, um, sort of internationally. But I've got to say, I had slightly drifted away from their music. Yeah, me too. And I think part of it is that I find listening to them really emotional. I find it really quite emotionally roiling. It brings up a lot of feelings of uh, they they write brilliantly about 
sort of hard things and relationships and longing and you know they're very funny too with their lyrics but yeah. um there's there's a lot of feeling and what I love about seeing them live is that you get the feeling activated in you but it's also being met by the sound at the same time so I love the volume. I thought the TSB arena was great. They absolutely filled it. Um, it was a high energy show. It kind of built and built and built. Propulsive. It was propulsive. That's a great word for it. And I, you know, they played. They're doing this thing on this current tour where they decide on the night what they're playing. So they're doing it. I I interviewed the um, the bassist, actually the bass player Scott Devendorf for North and South magazine, and he told me about how they get a big whiteboard and it's a bit like fridge poetry. They work from their the deep, deep backlist. They've got nearly like 200 songs or something, maybe yeah. more, and they plan out the night's set list from that. And it is a way of keeping it fresh for the band after having been together for, you know, over... A couple of decades now. I love that. Um, it's so cool, and you could just feel it. Like you could feel. You can feel it. it feels fresh. Eh? Like the yeah. sad dads thing is very sort of double edged because on the one <laughs> hand, yes, that's what their music kind of is steeped in, but also they're just playing and having fun, mm. and had that glorious kind of rock and roll feeling. I mean, the guitar, the Desner's guitar playing is so. Off the it's quite unnerving it seeing so them because they're left and right of the stage and they're, they're, they're twins. twins. And it's quite yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah, and there was this moment where the lead singer Matt Berninger, um said, you know, one of their kind of dueling guitar face-offs. He said, "Oh, it's like the Hound in the Mountain from Game of Thrones, <laughs> like the big fight." Because they oh. sort of famously wrote the Reigns of Castamere for the for Game of Thrones oh, wow. um, soundtrack. And yeah, so there were sort of funny little in jokes like that. And then he. Um, climbed into the audience a lot. There was a point where it felt like he was doing it on every song. Well, it, it's a gimmick. It's a stage gimmick, Emily. It's a stage gimmick. He went right to the back of the audience twice to the bar. And had, right a, had a drink. Suppo- yeah. You know, and like, so there's this microphone cord. He's not on a cord. It's like, give this man a cord, this mic. I know. I think everybody, the roadie was working so hard, sort of um, like trying to keep control of that mic lead. But also, I mean, I didn't get near him. I was in the crowd, like in the middle of it. But um, also, I'm not a tall person and I'm just going to say, right now if you're tall please go and stand near the mm. edge it's like oh, come on yeah, men people, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. I do tall get men. that but then also you know for those of us that are a little bit more height advantage <laughs> you know sometimes we also want to feel be like we're too and the crush of course Not push to the back and the side Emily oh, well I would make an exception for you <laughs> yeah I really would but um, my friend did touch and my friend Linda was near the lead singer when he was going past and she said oh there wasn't time to ask for consent <laughs> she, she, reached, she, she managed to get the back of his coat and so now I'm like you can never wash your this hands this is why again. one friend of mine um, who was less complimentary because I said it was more like a Scientology com- convention or something um, I, I loved it I loved it but it was slightly evangelical uh, well, the, the fans yeah, are I real fans the fans are real fans and what was so warming and wonderful was seeing them really respond to that. It's the first time they played in Wellington and you could just see that they were delighted that yeah. we knew enough of the words. I mean, look, I didn't know half the songs because no. like six of the songs were from um, a 2013 album, which I just don't think I know at all. Trouble will find me. But that sort of didn't matter. And then it closed with, there was a great encore and the, a very, very beautiful closing with um, a song where he dropped the mic and we all just... Yeah. sang along and it had that really soft after this big kind of like face melting 
um, heart-thumping show, there was this very beautiful, tender, soft ending. That was quite nice conceptually, right? So he was totally using that mic the whole time on the mic, and he just mm. let, doesn't have the mic at all for the yeah. last song. Yeah, yeah. and hands it, you know, shares yeah. it with the audience. Um, now, I think a lot of... We'll play a song at the end after after we, we cross to Polina, but um, I, um, the, the thing that people, a lot of people have been saying is, that's not a festival show. It's been in Auckland. It's a rock show. It could be any time of the year. What's this doing in a festival? Does anyone have any thoughts on, on that? Well, I think, like, Programming? you know, we're talking about the the Verb Writers Festival before and the way that that breaks down, like, conventional ideas or old traditional ideas of what a writers festival should look like by putting things in different venues. And um, it totally opens up to a different audience. Right. What I One yeah. of the things I loved about being in that TSB crowd, I didn't see you there, Mark, apart from my well, husband. Busy. I didn't know anyone. No. Yeah. It was like a totally, totally different crowd from things. And that is a retreat yeah. in Wellington. And, and mm-hmm. I feel like anything that's going to get that sense of coming together in a community way around art, mm-hmm. I don't think we should be at all snobby about what kind of event it is. Well, kill the Emily, kill the here and Suzanne. Now, we are going to cross the Waikato to Kirikiri Rōno and my um, Culture 101 co-host, Polina. Kia ora, Polina. Kia ora, Mark. I'm joined by theatre critic and tertiary educator, Kate Prestage. Oh, kia ora, Polina. Kia ora. Thank you for joining us. How many shows you reckon you've seen this past week? Oh, gosh, I think I've seen about nine or ten already, and I've got a couple more to go, so pretty cool. Pretty good. <laughs> it's about a ten-day festival down here. Um, Let's start with the shows that you have found most memorable. You've got two. Let's start with Rutene Spooner's Thoroughly Modern Maui. What did you think? I really loved it. It was what I really enjoyed about it was it was hugely entertaining. He's just such a performer, isn't he? Showman. Yeah. yeah, really great and a fantastic band. So we were treated to a really solid, big cabaret performance that had all the hallmarks that you'd want from cabaret. And we were entertained and um, it was lively and it was beautifully um, put together and a nice little bit of audience interaction. But he also really packed a punch with mm. what he had to say in his original material. And I I just kept thinking about it afterwards. The themes are quite heavy. They, they, they are you know pretty poignant, aren't they? And and. He's getting his messages across, but sort of wrapping them up in these all these different songs of different genres. So he had sort of jazz, he had a bit of country. Yeah, like you say, it was such a big kind of scale show in some ways. Uh, and I found so impressive. And I'm so seduced by lights, I realised. <laughs> I just thought, oh gosh, this lighting and this this design of this show is incredible. Yeah, he had a really good production team and he was uh, fantastic giving credit to them during the show mm, as well and, mm. and, and, and making sure that we were aware of that. What I, ca- what I came back to, I think, was this idea that um, he said it nicely, but he still said it. Yeah. You know, in terms of what he had to say about his name, and about the um, uh, history of his family, his whakapapa, and, and where he has come from and who he is. And he was really strong on that and also really strong on just the dismissiveness, I suppose, of some of the language that is used every day here and just the casual racism that he experiences as um, a Māori man. And, yeah, I, I just I, he really struck a chord with me. And then he packaged it all up in this really, you know, entertaining show as well. But I just thought that was that was great. And the song, you know, the, the refrain in one of the songs about the goody uri uri black profiling hoodie, I mean, woof. Yeah. And there were other songs here, Rutani Chutani, which was all about pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, and I think that's what it was. It was this, this is who I am, this is my life. 
uh, and all these things that I have to deal with on a daily basis, not just me, but, you know, all his family or, or the Māori men in his life, that has become sadly normal, definitely didn't hold back in those in that messaging. And his band were brilliant, Pork Bones and Harmony. Yes, which I great loved. name. Thought yeah. it was so funny. And the second show that um, has stayed with you is Le Soup Co, uh, and this was by comedian Abby Howes, who's the current Billy T winner. Look, it was bonkers. Uh, it was great. So what I loved was, it, again, it kept thinking about it afterwards, and I think that's always the hallmark. And there's more shows that have stayed with me, but with La Soup Co, it was so fast-paced. It was full of kind of unabashed self-disclosure. She was um, both mildly annoying, but also <laughs> really entertaining. I thought... You know, she would have been that kid at school that would have, you know, been, and, and she talks about this, about what she was like as a child. So I found her really engaging uh, and so honest and upfront and and funny and both self-deprecating but also utterly confident. She mm. was just a really interesting, mm. it was a really interesting show and I laughed a lot. It's it sort of pinned on two things, isn't it? So it's, it, she's, it's the show, the show is centred around this, romance novel that she wrote at age 11, a nautical romance. Yeah. As an 11-year-old, I don't know how much you would know about romance, but she just sort of jokes that there's a scene in a shop and it goes on for far too long. Uh, and the second thing is she weaves in her autism diagnosis and almost looks back on what her life was when she was younger with that knowledge now and her as a kid, as a teenager. And like you say, just incredibly honest and so much energy as well. <laughs> yeah. So much energy. Her mannerisms and her the way she holds herself mm. is all kind of what sticks with you, isn't it? Yeah, she's um, she's very entertaining and it was extremely well crafted. You know, she broke into the into the readings from La Soup Co and we were on this epic ride of, you know, and then broke out from that to, yeah, as you say, to talk about some of the things from her life. So I really, really enjoyed it and it did stay with me and I loved all of her disclosures about it obsessions. I did go mm. Googling afterwards, looking up some <laughs> of the things she talked about, which of course she entirely predicted. So The yeah. Battle of Den Ben Phu yes. uh, in Vietnam being her favourite military strategy. <laughs> so I, yeah, I loved that show. Yeah. And you have a few other special mentions. Yeah, well, what, one thing that I've found brilliant this year with the Hamilton Arts Festival and is that they've had a really, really interesting diverse program with lots of original material. So I've really enjoyed that. And a couple of things that I saw that I thought were particularly good was um, Kopu, which was commissioned, I think, for the Auckland Festival. Tuakwe Ohia is the writer and performer in that, and five other wahini join her. And it's a really strong show. They've been touring it around some festivals, and they are well-crafted. But it was hugely entertaining as well audience really enjoyed it it's naughty and funny and I think we're we're all six of them they were so seamless the way they mm, moved between mm. the scenes which was everything from game shows to really quite poignant uh, scenes and reflective moments I would have loved to have had even more of when the six of them all sang together oh, they, it they lifted the roof yeah. and I know the audience just were loving that that, that was brilliant uh, we saw a really quirky show called Fantastic by Birdman and Egg. And, I mean, you and I both actually just, like, giggled all the way through yeah. it. It was sort of awkward but amazing. You're, ha you're half going, is this the best thing I've seen or is it the worst thing I've seen? But I think we landed on it's one of the best things we've seen. It is, it's almost like a variety show. That's how I would describe it. It's uh, stunts, songs, dancing, Stand-up comedy, little skits. Circus. A circus, clowning. <laughs> on one hand, it felt 
random and spontaneous, like you had all these ideas and you just put it into a show together, but at the same time, incredibly seamless and polished at the same. And they have done this show, they've taken this show to 20 countries uh, around the world and they say that at the beginning and I think... I think it is just the what yeah. that, that gets you and that's what hooks you and it's quite endearing yeah. in that way. It was quite dry and quite awkward <laughs> yes. almost at times. And then there were other moments where you and I just looked at each other and both just burst out yeah. laughing because yeah. it was fun. I, I'm, I'm slightly obsessed by them now. I want to know where Birdman and Egg live. Where do they you live? Know? <laughs> How do, what are their meetings like when yeah. they discuss work? Who yeah. comes with what ideas? How do they decide what goes into the show? You, yeah, you want a glimpse into the behind the scenes don't you yeah they fascinated me and um i really enjoyed uh the tempestuous so you know penny ashton is sort of a, a terrible phrase to say a seasoned performer but she can't she just is somebody who's a really safe pair of hands when you when you go to a show she's hugely entertaining brilliant with the audience and you know t- the tempestuous is littered with Shakespearean references and it's a great epic sort of romance with goodies and baddies and so it's got all the hallmarks of a yeah. of a well-crafted Penny she's a, Ashton she's a pro. show yeah. yeah and look there were a couple of moments where it, it, it wobbled and that was I think a little bit of audio interference as you mm-hmm. get in an outdoor yeah. setting some of the cues weren't quite there tech issues sound issues yeah, yeah. but she just sort of rolled with the punches yeah. and, and incorporated that into the show you know audience arriving late should build that into the show and the script so yeah. just safe comfortable yeah uh but and fun, a really fun show. You know what you're going to expect. And ultimately and very delivered. clever to yeah. be able to do that. It's incredibly yeah. clever. The, yeah. the script is, um, you know, is just so smart. Yeah. yeah. And she's playing about, sort of, I think, I was thinking, counting last, counting in my head, I was thinking about 10 to 12 characters, I reckon. Yeah, I wondered at one point. I thought, oh, she's over-egged it. She's kind of got too many. There's too much going on. But she pulled it back. Yeah. At one yeah. point, I just thought, oh, it's too much. <laughs> but, uh, but I think she always brings it home. And I think her audience is reasonably established. And they, they go expecting her to be brilliant. And, and, and she always get. is. Yeah. Yeah. The audience turnout, I've been so impressed by the audience turnout as well um, in Hamilton. It's been... It, shows in the gardens and shows in theatres. So it's been amazing to see. And I was reminded of the talent that we have here, which, you know, was just wonderful to see. Yeah, I think we're really lucky in Kirikiriroa that we have some really strong community theatre groups as well as some more professional musicians and uh, theatre people here. So a lot of those were present over the last week as well. But I think kudos to the festival organisers for putting together a a really varied programme. The setting was beautiful. The weather was great. We were very lucky and uh, has been brilliant. So it's it's just a lovely festival to come to. Well, that wraps up Best of the Fest for this week. Thank you for joining us. You can follow Best of the Fest reviews and rankings and all the fests on the Culture 101 podcast. Find and follow Culture 101 on Apple, Spotify or any podcast app. And you can hear it on Sundays at 2.30 until the 24th of March on RNZ National. Next week, the spotlight will be on Tamaki Makoto with the opening of the Auckland Arts Festival. And taking us out today is a 2023 single from the National, which novelist Emily Perkins and Mark reviewed in concert earlier. This is Tropical Morning News. Just don't 
know that you do it You wait around in a conversation While I get in and start stumbling through it I was so distracted then I didn't have it straight in my head I didn't have my face on yet Or the roll or the feel Of where I was going with it all I was suffering more than I let on The tropic morning news was on There's nothing stopping me now From saying all the painful parts I've lied Got to my feet feeling that I'd let you down Wanted to say it slow and perfect But it all somehow got switched around Something went off on its own by dumb automatic chit-chat It's not what I meant to say at all There's no way you can attach me to that Got up to seize the day with my head in my hands Feeling strange when all my thinking got mangled And I caught myself talking myself off the ceiling I was suffering more than I let on Topic morning news was on There's nothing stopping me now From saying all the painful parts I'd like Oh, where are all the moments we had? Oh, where's the brain we share? Something somehow has you rapidly improved Oh, what happened to the wavelength we were on? Of where I was going with it all 